0: day.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for tuning in or streaming or downloading Blooming Out on WFHB 91.3 FM in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm Justin Robertson.
2: And I'm Cal Demery.
1: It's good to be in the studio again.
2: Yes, it's been a few weeks. <laughs> it's
1: been a few weeks, yes. And I can't thank you and Melanie uh, for pinch hitting and <laughs> and doing the fun drive a so sports well.
2: reference?
1: I... Is that what that is? Uh, yes, yeah, so pinch hitting. <laughs> baseball. Athletes. Oh, no, you know, it's it's catching, I guess, because everybody, you know, is a sports fan at my work, and they know, say pinch, things like that. Like,
2: pinch pinch hitting a thing.
1: Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's where I don't you know have what a, it means. So basically, uh, well, I I you have do, your lineup,
2: right. and that's your order of baseball yeah. players that go and up to the base and hit. A pinch hitter is you someone who's not in the lineup. Um, I mean, there it says pinch hitter, but... Um, if you want like a certain play or let's say you're tied a pinch hitter you put in Uh and they're like really really good at batting okay so they're in they get put in as like oh um coming to save the day well that makes sense
1: so i I used it correctly yes you you, you, (laughs) you you're very good at batting so thank you (laughs) Uh, thank you thank you thank you and um yeah your shows were brilliant and everything and i'm sorry i couldn't be here how have you been
2: Busy, very, very busy, but productive. So it's not just busy work. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, my um, just busy at work, doing class stuff. Wrote wrote a big old essay, (laughs) a couple big old essays, but
1: yeah. (laughs) You're always so good at that. And I always love your writing and everything that you've done and all of your research. And we're going to be talking about some of that today. Yes. Queer culture in the cowboy world?
2: Yes. I said last week on air that Justin wouldn't allow me to talk about it without him here. So now he's here. So now (laughs) we can talk about
1: it. (laughs) Well, it's a great Uh, subject and something that I I find very fascinating. You always bring in things that I don't know anything about. And um, what you talked about last week was just really fabulous. I love the whole story.
2: Oh, I I forgot I talked about what I talked about last week for a second, but I talked about Julia Bernice. Exactly.
1: (laughs) That's right. And she was an opera singer and a sword fighter and
2: a nun, a nun and and, and and like espionage and everything.
1: I mean, what a life.
2: I know. And we don't know what's real or not. And that's the best mystery of like, you know. We don't know, but, but we, we do know imagine.
1: that she was. I mean, there are some things that... Uh, yeah, we have some things confirmed,
2: like she liked men and women. We know that she was an opera singer. We know yeah. that she the, cross-dressed. Very famous one. Yeah, very famous. And we also know that she cross-dressed, but still very much identified as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, she's great. <laughs>
1: well, I thought that was all fascinating, so thank you so much yes. for...
2: I'm
1: happy to do it. That. I, I love it. So it's just, um, it, it's really important to learn about our history and where we came from. And, yeah. Uh, and I,
2: we've been here. We're here. We're queer. I, I, we've been this here. This is the
1: thing is everybody always thinks things are new. And, you know, I'm, I'm a man of, of a certain age <laughs> um, <laughs> that I, you know, I've seen queer culture my entire life. Yeah. You know, it's been around people. <laughs> um, I'm glad some of you think it's new, you know, that keeps it exciting and fresh for you, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's good and things do change. And usually for the better, I mm-hmm. hope. Although, you know, we're always afraid that we're going to get our rights taken away from us. And,
2: yeah. Well, uh, before we go any further, uh, any regular listeners of our show know that we're missing someone today. Yes. Um, our lovely Melanie is not here today, but that's it. but it's a, okay because she right now she is hosting an awesome event at the public library, Monroe Public Library, for um, Yay, the community center that's happening. Yeah. We just don't have a place yet, <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's holding an event that she has she has invited people of in the community to come and talk to queer folk, ask any questions, appropriate not appropriate, to try and bridge that gap. Um, so yeah, I mean. Really brave. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. Really um, but brave.
2: that's where she is today. So props to her. We love her. Yes. But she's not love here you, today. Love <laughs> you, Melanie. She's doing important work. Yes.
1: Uh, yeah. It, yes. I, I'm so <laughs> proud of her and all of the hard work that she has done for this. Yeah. Uh, she's awesome.
2: <laughs> she is. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we have a little bit of news before we go into our history segment. It's not long, but... Um, if you haven't been paying attention to your phone and seen the news, pop, the news alerts, the Indiana abortion ban has been lifted temporarily because wow. of a county judge in Owen County. Uh, so the judge uh, put in what you call a preliminary injunction, which is just a temporary ban because he says it violates the Indiana Constitution. And so until that case is heard again in like, Next week, prob- mm-hmm. like, probably, um, abortions are legal and available. And Planned Parenthood has, has said that they will continue providing abortions until the last minute if they can. So if you're a person in need of that, they are offering them right now. So what were they violating in the Indiana Constitution again?
1: Uh, it was equality privileges. Okay. And due course of law mm-hmm. because there is constitutionally vague language. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure what that language was, but um...
2: it, if you read it, you understand. It's just like you can't get it unless you it you were attacked. Like you know what I'm implying, but it doesn't clarify if you need to prove that there is an attack. It doesn't. It doesn't say that if maybe you need to make a police report. There was no like regulatory things in there to how it's all going to be mm. enforced. I was very confused. We talked about this. I was just confused what folks do if you know, an abortion ban violated their religion. Right. Um, which is part of this.
1: Right, but it wasn't mentioned as part of the reason why this injunction has taken place.
2: Well, the due, right. due course of law and equality privileges, those are basically protections against discrimination based on interpretation of law. So you can have, so for example, we're talking about religion thing, and it's, let's say, a, a Jewish offendant. Um, one mm-hmm. judge could say, oh, well, yeah, I guess that does violate Judaism because in in that religion, life begins at birth. But another judge could say, well, you know, just because you believe that life begins at birth doesn't mean that it's like a sacrament or like part of your religion, though. Mm-hmm. So I can stop it. That's what they're inferring without making it about religion.
1: OK, does so that that's yeah, it does. Thank you for clarifying <laughs> that. Because I was wondering where that was in there.
2: It's also a little confusing because we talked about this before. Late term abortions, as we as like what conservatives call it, aren't really late term abortions. They're pretty. Mo- they're more so stillbirth C sections. That's how they're charted, like right. in in hospital filings. Because you know. They're painful to go through no one wants to go through. It's not like someone's right. just waking up one day and it's like, I don't want to be pregnant anymore. Right. No, you, you get a quote-unquote late-term abortion if something terrible happens.
1: Uh, so um, I believe that there were questions about it violating the right to privacy.
2: Yes, that's so also that's, true.
1: Yeah. So there's lots of stuff there, lots of stuff ah. to unpack.
2: And um, when this all came out, our state attorney general, Todd Rakita said that he is going to file an appeal. So it's going to go back, and he's going to try again to see how it works. Now, Todd Rakita, I don't like him. A lot of folks don't like him. Mm. If you don't like him, I have something you can do. Tomorrow, (laughs) tomorrow, he is going to be here in Bloomington at IU in the Wittenberg Auditorium, which is the auditorium that's in the union, um, talking about individual liberties, which is so ironic. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And how he's going to take them away from people, I guess. Yes, apparently. I don't know so is.
2: here's what you can do. You, it's listed as a, you re- register for tickets. You register for seats because Wittenberg Auditorium's not that big. And you do that through Eventbrite. So just Google Todd Rikita IU event. It will show up. It will be on the um, Eventbrite website. And you can reserve these tickets that are free to fill up spots. So I went in. And got t- reserved twenty seats under oh, different emails.
1: You are so bad. <laughs> so you all could do the, that, uh,
2: do it, you could do it under fake emails. You can do it under your own name. It doesn't check <laughs> it doesn't ask for any credit card information because they're free. It's just as it's like the contact trace, and so they don't go over fire code.
1: Wasn't it? Uh, my brain is a little bit hazy, so I might not get all the facts right. But didn't a bunch of Korean kids do this to Trump?
2: Yes. About all the K-pop, what we call K-pop stands. That's,
1: that's what it was. Yeah.
2: Yeah, this has happened before. It's a great... I think... You think they would have thought this through that it's <laughs> happened before. Why would you... They're free. Like, you could have made it $1 <laughs> or like 50 cents. So people would have to put their information in. So it's not so easy well, to Well, don't troll. give them any
1: ideas, Cal. I'm so going to critique... You know, don't be
2: stupid, stupid. I'm going to
3: critique it. <laughs>
1: No, that's fine. (laughs) Go right ahead doing what you're doing. Um, But yeah, I, 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 well, a brilliant idea. Yeah.
2: So go search it up and reserve all the seats. (laughs) It still allows you to do it. If you're on Reddit, the Bloomington Reddit already has like a top post that's pinned about it.
1: Do you know who is sponsoring his appearance? I have no idea.
2: I didn't look long enough at it. Yeah. yeah. I saw posters in the IMU. I didn't either. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it, it just occurred to me I didn't know if it's the college of Republicans or if there's Probably. another f- group or whatever.
2: Probably. <laughs> anyway, so that's happening, so Such you can have some fun. an embarrassing time
1: to be a Republican. I know, right? It's <laughs> like
2: it's one thing if you're like conservative, but like your leaders right. are terrible right now. Right. I mean, Democrats aren't much better, but but <laughs> they don't sound as most Democrats. It sounds like you know they're that. They have a solid head on their shoulders. I can't say that about a lot of conservatives.
1: Well, it seems like they're trying to subvert democracy, and that's mm-hmm. the problem. You know, yeah. it, it's—I it, mean—it's interesting that he's talking about people's civil liberties, but he's obviously talking about only the civil liberties of white people. Well, he's going to twist people. it as
2: like civil liberties for unborn babies. That's what he—that's twi- right. what he twists it as. But I have hold. Debates
1: about that. So, but he's been waging a war for a long time against transgender students. You know, as we've talked about, some of our most uh, vulnerable uh, kids Mm -hmm. and And
2: kids. Come on, dude.
1: It's
2: shameless. And if he really was for individual rights, he wouldn't be for any government. He wouldn't run for office, okay? If he was, ri- that's, if that's what he really believed, he wouldn't be running for office, and he would probably but be an anarchist. How can you believe in
1: individual rights if he doesn't believe in individual rights for other people that are not who he is, that aren't heteronormative, that aren't cis, that you aren't would, white?
2: Okay, but how does he see humanity? He's not giving these folks to be human on the same level that he is,
1: right? Yeah. So He doesn't understand he doesn't that understand. people only have
2: rights because they're alive, not because there's a government. He doesn't understand that. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Anyway, besides <laughs> talking about Todd Rikita, we have better things to talk about, like gay oh, cowboys. Yes, gay
1: Cowboys. <laughs> Let's talk about that. That is that <laughs> so wow. How did you actually though uh get on the subject or find the subject? Or can we have a little okay. background on that, please? Yeah. We... So
2: if you all see me in real life, I'm extremely white looking, um, but I was raised by a Latino grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he was from from Central America. And I joked that my first language was Spanglish. And because mm-hmm. I just had that very strong Latino, uh, Mexican influence in my mm-hmm. life. And where I grew up was a very rural town. We had migrant workers. We It was a lot of Amish folks around, um, you know, A lot of the time when I stayed with my grandparents, it was a lot more Latino people than white people. And then I moved my parents, everyone's white (laughs) because of where (laughs) they lived. Um, But that gave me this unique perspective into Mm -hmm. one, rural farm life, but also this Mexicana Mm -hmm. um, lifestyle. And it quickly just, how do I want to say this? Because then I moved into this whole very largely white community, I kept being drawn to more literature and movies and stuff that were more Mexicana and Mexican in nature. Because mm-hmm. that's just, you know, I was like, I just was looking for that because I was missing it, you know? Right.
1: And you wanted to explore your heritage, I'm imagining. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and had a connection with your grandfather.
2: Yeah. I was very close with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. Realized I was queer, and it was an Mm -hmm. easy connection. And Mm -hmm. I already knew that like cowboys were kind of gay just by general deduction.
1: (laughs) The aesthetics are so uh, beautiful, really. You know what I mean? That yeah, it's uh, it would have to be gay. (laughs) (laughs) Straight
2: people don't have that artistry, (laughs) right?
1: (laughs) That sort of creativity and just wisdom of how to dress, and you know, yeah, yeah. I, I've always been very attractive, attracted to the cowboy aesthetic, mm-hmm. you know, ever since I was a little kid. But I think that everybody is, sort of, you know.
2: Yeah, it, I, I think a lot of folks are. And it's very, I feel like a lot of folks see it as very Americana, when yes. it's really not Americana. That's not very where it's rooted from. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. But anyway, that's how I got to being an American gay cowboys. Okay. <laughs> and... There's also this book I read, which I'll touch on later, about a trans cowboy.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And when it was pr- when I read it, like in fifth grade, I didn't realize they were trans because I didn't have a word for that. Okay. So it just was like this cool book that I didn't remember the name of forever until I found it like a couple weeks ago.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> like this is a
2: very recent development. Um, doing research for another episode of this show that I found it. Um, so that pulled me back into it. And now oh, I'm here.
1: Great. <laughs> right. Well, that's wonderful. Well, tell us. Okay. about queer cowboys. <laughs> okay. Um
2: so cowboys not I'm going to keep using it as a blanket term, okay? But it is a very anglicized pop culture mm-hmm. way of describing these folks. More maybe appropriate or better mm. descriptive names would be cowpokes, buckaroos, oh. cowhands, cowpunchers, ranch hands.
1: Are these just more historically accurate?
2: Yeah, cuz the term yeah. cowboys one is really anglicized, but two really came out of like the Western movie era. Okay. Because they really whitewashed everything. So mm-hmm. they didn't they want to keep using Spanish names like mm-hmm. Bucuru, um, which is Spanish, or Vancaro, which we'll talk about. So kind of keep using cowboys, but it's not, it doesn't really work that much.
1: But and it is. Also, we understand that today as the language.
2: Yeah. And anyway. cowboys also. Majority were boys, men, male, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. but not always, and gender was also really different at this time, Mm -hmm. so again, not the best translated, but because it's an umbrella term that we accept today, I'm going to keep using it for easiness sake, because trying to dive into all that nuance on a radio show,
1: it's not going (laughs) to work. (laughs) Um,
2: So like I said, the common idea of America, cowboys, is very different than what it actually was. You know, we have this John Wayne type in our, fa- in our head, mm-hmm. and that's not what it, it was at all. And our vision of John Wayne as a cowboy is very ironic because he was a white supremacist, and most mm-hmm. cowboys were black, indigenous, Mexican, or a mix of all three. Mm-hmm. So just completely ironic that how we view our vision of a cowboy was a white supremacist. He's a self-proclaimed white supremacist. I'm not making
1: accusations here. Yeah, I mean you're right. And I would say okay, so I am a huge old movie fan and yeah. even a John Wayne fan. Um, mm-hmm. his 1939 film Stagecoach is just yeah. brilliant and he is absolutely beautiful in it. Just gorgeous. No, no, he was um so but I had to I did some research on this as well, and he uh-huh. did an interview in Playboy magazine. In the early '70s, and yeah, he said some terrible stuff that I don't well, even want to repeat.
2: Well, he attacked. Um, what's her name? Sasha Little. Oh, uh, Sasha Little Feather yeah. who ran up
1: to ex, Well, to decline the Academy Award for Marlon Brando. Yeah,
2: that was happened yes. f- almost exactly 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, which can we talk about? Marlon Brando sent her up there with no security at all. Because he knew they wouldn't attack a woman,
1: <laughs> like is that, is that right? I didn't that's know That's what that we can part. imply.
2: Because he didn't yeah. even go.
1: Oh no, he. I don't it would think have been he ever one went. thing if he
2: would have went and then given her the spotlight? But yeah. he knew that like people like John Wayne would like attack the poop out of him. So if yeah. he sends a woman because he knows they won't attack a woman. Just but we now know that like John Wayne still had to be held back by like four people when all that was happening because he wanted
1: because he wanted. Is to that a, right? I've never yeah. heard that, but um, I believe it. I yeah.
2: guess. And then he did attack her while outside when they're on the red carpet afterward.
1: Um, and Marlon Brando wanted to bring attention to yes. um, Native Americans. Because he and... had been
2: in a Western where he he was taught, awareness was brought to him by indigenous mm-hmm. folks about the stuff that mm-hmm. they were struggling with. Yeah. And this was, Probably, I don't want to say the start, but this was the grumblings of yeah. the American Indian movement.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, I so. mean, he was ahead of his time. And yeah. I mean, of course, there's always a group of people who are fighting, you know, yeah. but he did help to bring a voice by doing that. And I remember at the time, people were very shocked that he would do that at the Academy Awards, which were much more of an elite thing at that time than they are yeah. now. They've kind of, you know, uh, but um, Marlon Brando, was a very brave person, and oh, he, yeah. he was also a queer person.
2: Did you know and Mike Pence's bunny is named Marlon Brando?
1: I thought it was Marlon Bundo.
2: Still, it's named after Marlon Bundo, <laughs> okay. he's got, that's what his bunny's named after.
1: <laughs> well,
2: and there's a child's picture book about
1: him. Yes, I know. We have it actually in the bookstore <laughs> where I work. Um, but I haven't read it. I, I want to read it.
2: it. I might stop by just to read it.
1: But you see, I this is a whole nother thing, but <laughs> Mike Pence has many queer things about it. <laughs> you know I mean? Anyway, least, okay, getting back anyway.
2: to cowboys. Okay. Like I said, most cowboys are black, Mexican, indigenous, or a mix of all of the above. Um, and most of them wore, were men, you know, what we consider men. And... Being a cowboy was very nomadic, meaning most folks did, most cowboys didn't like live in one location. They followed their herd, um, like I said, they followed their livestock, which was usually cattle. Um, and before,
1: so, so I'm sorry, yeah, I, I just want to be clear that cowboys were sort of shepherds for yes, cows, exactly. Right?
2: Okay, and before, I'm going to say development, but I hate using that word before. People moved out west and put up fences around their property. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that big concept of property. Right. And
1: so... The wild, wild west. Is just
2: Yeah. There. So this livestock would migrate around the plains and the cowboys would follow them to then herd them back to where they need to go once winter came um, and to make sure they're going in places where there's water and stuff. But they were mm-hmm. following their natural migration pass, if you mm-hmm. will but it's not like a true migration as uh, mm-hmm. in the scientific term um but that but a large reason why the cow- cowboys grew out was because people started putting up these fences to mark their property and the cattle could no longer go wherever they wanted mm. so yeah couldn't couldn't no longer roam so this is prior to a lot of folks de- quote-unquote developing you know texas mm-hmm. Um, up all the way to the Northern Plains, out to Wyoming, Montana, et cetera.
1: Makes me sad for cows because I realize I like they're migratory. You know, we talk, we're talked the buffalo roam and they're stuck behind fences. So yeah. now I feel sad. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead.
2: Um, so we're talking about gay cowboys. So cow, cowboy culture, incredibly queer. And I'm using queer as an umbrella term because the nuances of lang- cultural language is very confusing here. Because like I said, we had um, influences from African-Americans who were forced to be brought over from Africa. We mm-hmm. have black American influences from, from both slavery and after slavery. Um, and we, then we have indigenous influences and we have Mexican influences. Mm-hmm. You try and can all that nuance. <laughs> it's going to be hard. So I'm just going to say queer. Um, and it was also only recently that American culture de- defined straightness as not allowing for same-sex lovers on the side. Because it used to be that you could be considered straight as long as, like, men could be considered straight if they married a woman, but they still had, like, a male lover on the side. As long mm-hmm. as you were married to a woman, you considered straight. For a very long time, that was what qualified as straight. Now, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. But then it was. So a lot of these cowboys, if we time-traveled back there, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm straight. Here's my boyfriend. Right. You know? <laughs> okay. that w- they would just be like, yeah, that's uh-huh. how it is. We're straight because I have a wife at home. I've not talked to her in years, but I have a wife. You know? <laughs> right. That's, that, that's, was straightness then. Um, Interesting. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, like I said, cowboy is not an accurate term. So the first cowboys were native Mexican vaqueros, which comes from the word vaca, which means cow. Okay. So that's how we get cowboy uh-huh. in English. Okay. Because cattle is like the sub, the, not prefix. Subfix. The, it's the ending for man. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so, as, uh, so that's where... So it's cow
1: men. Like... Yes. yes.
2: So then it translated into cowboy mm-hmm. in English. So, but as move, more Western settlers moved westward... Yeah, that's word I'm looking for. They adopted <laughs> many aspects of Cairo dress and culture. And this is what has come to be, quote unquote, Western culture, as we were talking about the mm-hmm. cowboy aesthetic. And... You know, there's a lot of discussion of how much of that is appropriation, how much is not. Where do we draw the line between that being Americana dress versus mm-hmm. being Mexican or indigenous dress? Mm-hmm. That's really complicated. So I think we can say that we adore that style, but mm-hmm. we can also understand that there's some appropriation going on. Sure, and I'm okay. not the right person to debate this. I just want to make yeah. sure we mention it. Right. Because um, it's very popular and there's mm-hmm. a lot of debate. Um so cowboys were usually young men who needed cash, and the average cowboy in the West made about twenty-five to forty dollars a month, which at that time was not too shabby.
1: I was going to say, so you anticipated my next question was like, <laughs> how much would that be? So but, it
2: actually wasn't that much because these folks were not paying rent; they were not paying for food. You know, they hunted, they they ate the beef on the on the on the on you know as they roamed. And you said it, they
1: were nomadic, so I imagine they lived in tents. Right? Bed rolls typically. Bed rolls.
2: So usually they didn't have like a full on tent, or maybe they did, or maybe it just was like some canvas and they made like a lean to mm-hmm. or something. Um, but a lot of the time they d- weren't paying for extra expenses on a regular basis, so they were able mm-hmm. to save the money. Um, and also, when you had all these large ranch hands, when they were on the ranch, they lived communally and like
3: mm-hmm.
2: bored. And food were also just part of the work. They didn't have to pay separate for that. Okay. And it wasn't taken out of their checks. That was just an expected part of the job that the ra- that the ranch owner would provide you housing and stuff.
1: Plus $40, $20 to $40.
2: Yes, Plus, yeah, exactly.
1: And I would imagine that was based on experience or...
2: Yes, it would be based on experience and rank. So um, cowboys had leadership structure mm-hmm. according to the ranch. And so the person who was in charge would be paid the most. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, And in addition to herding cattle, they also helped care for horses, repaired fences and buildings, worked cattle drives, and sometimes also helped establish frontier towns. Mm. So they weren't just, you know, on their horseback with a lasso controlling Mm. cattle. They were also doing like actual farm stuff. Okay. Um, And on... The fun side outside of work, this is where rodeos came from. Mm-hmm. So they gained these really unique skill sets, like competitive horse racing, like doing barrels on a horse, which is extremely hard so you don't fall off. Yeah. Um, getting on broncos and having all them right. buck—like this was all things that they did for fun at at rodeos. And because the culture was very queer, rodeos were also very queer. Okay, but we—they um, weren't. Recorded as queer very much in documentation, but we, can, we know that they were queer by implication of all these queer f- folk that we knew were queer by historical record coming to one place. Okay. We, we know rodeos are also pretty gay. Um, that being said, there are gay rodeos still to this day. The first one starting yeah. in 1970. They're advertised. You can oh, go okay. find them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was showing pictures of one to Justin before the show. <laughs> <laughs> it very much shocked him because it was very... Um, yeah, they just shocked him. And it was very funny. Yeah.
1: It would be a fun thing to go to. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I really want to go to one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe we should make that a goal. Maybe we could do a live broadcast.
2: <gasps> we should. <Nah. laughs>
1: um,
2: anyway, so I, like I said, the first official gay radio was in the 1970s, but like we also know that rodeos in general, prior to modern day cowboy culture, which which is pretty homophobic, um, were inherently queer. <laughs> um, And we know a lot of the aspects of queer... Cowboy culture because of a guy named William Drummore Drummore, I can't say his name, Stewart. And he was a Scottish born adventurer, adventurer who was very gay and he wrote that he was gay. He was very proud of it. And he came to America from Scotland. Um and he decided he just was gonna have some adventures in the Wild West and record it all.
1: So I so want to read about him. Oh, he's having, so interesting. Like, yeah. I mean, totally. I just love the idea of this gay Scotsman coming to America and becoming a cowboy. Oh and yeah, yeah, it, he, well, he sounds great. Oh yeah, and it's William Drummond Stewart.
2: Thank you. Right. I can't say Drummond. Right.
1: Okay. <laughs> Drummond. Yeah,
2: it's William Stewart. That's his name. Okay. So, um, and what? So, like I said, a lot of what we know is from directly from him. So now into so what did
1: he keep? He kept a record. Or he kept a journals journal? and photos. Okay. Like he took, photos. there's
2: photos of him with his like cowboy friends and his oh, boyfriend. Really? Yeah. I didn't put him in the dock, so I apologize.
1: But <laughs> okay, I was going to ask you, did put a photo in the dock that I love. But yeah. it's it, not him.
2: No, it's not him, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so in a relationship between cowboys, it was likely one that played the role of a male travel companion. So this would be basically be, you know, people get lonely. So they get a dude, they get someone else to come with them. And then they divide the work among themselves. And so it also helps share domestic labor as well as, you know, just being partners, uh, like in a relationship. So Mm -hmm. it served this dual purpose because think about it. You're out on the plains, you're herding cattle. The the cowpoke one who's, you know, actually doing the work on the horse is getting dirty and gross. And by the time he's done for the day, He's tired. He hasn't cooked, like, he, but he's supposed to cook. He's supposed to put his bedroll and stuff up. So a lot of the times, the part they would divide up the work. So then the, the partner would be the one, be like, getting food, preparing for bed and okay. stuff like that. So then, you know, you weren't you weren't having to stay up even later, and you can conserve your strength. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, dual dual reasoning here. Um, and in 1932, Stuart comes to America and writes about this. And he joins a quote-unquote rendezvous of hunters and trappers in Wyoming, um, and there he met Anton Clement, which ended up becoming his lover for like a little over a decade. And oh. he's kind of the one that introduced Stuart to the frontier life and was like, "Come meet my friends." <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> and this is how Stuart gets in into frontier gang culture. Okay. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. So, why were these folks queer? Which I shouldn't say that but because we know there's no why but what is the explanation history speaking uh-huh. as to why there are so numerously open queer folk in the west and it's because there's no women in the right. wild west <laughs> that's what comes down to it 90 like 98 of the people out there were men um and so you know you don't have women bachelor weddings become a thing
1: that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So they were really were a thing, but yeah. were they legally binding, or I mean, as
2: legally binding as a hand fast or a Boston marriage? Or, would okay. Be. So, like, seen as a unit, mm-hmm. in the same way a marriage probably would back then, when you didn't have all the records that governments re- the government requires mm-hmm. now. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, they were seen as a unit in like the neighborhood and society mm-hmm. and people would be like, oh yeah, so-and-so's partner, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and it would just be accepted. And it would probably be put into that by numerous documents, like official documents too of like, you know, my partner. My Do you know anything about
1: landowning or was that not really a cowboys, cowboys they were too poor. Didn't, okay. They didn't yeah, own,
2: yeah. a lot of them didn't own yeah. land. Doesn't mean all of them didn't, but a lot right. of them did
1: Okay. I was um, just wondering if they you know, would jointly own possessions together.
2: Um, like sometimes, Our yeah. Rules of
1: inheritance, that. you know. Yeah. It,
2: stuff like that played a role, know. but cowboys, I mean, you typically worked until you died. So right. you were You didn't have a lot of material possessions because that didn't work with that type of life. And people who did, who were cowboys, a lot of them love their lifestyle. A lot of people I know now who are in the cowboy culture love their lifestyle.
1: So <laughs> it sounds like a bit of okay to me.
2: Yeah. I I like,
1: would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so they had these bachelor weddings, like I said, and, um, buh, buh, buh. okay. I talked about that. Sorry. Um, and also I, I mentioned earlier that this was Mexican indigenous and black folk, but as you get further West, there was also Chinese folks. Um, because you had a lot of folks coming over from China as early as the 1400s, so that, that a lot of people don't know that. But also a lot of cowboys further out west were also like chi- of Chinese descent.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Interesting, because that's I don't know that that's not sort of what we're ever taught.
2: No, you never get taught that the Chinese and Japanese Chinese were coming to the United States before, like. Maybe the late 1800s, but they were right. here.
1: Right. We, yeah.
2: we have evidence of Chinese people and Jap- Japanese samurai mm-hmm. interacting with the Aztecs. like Really? Yes. Like l- the yeah. very end of the Aztec Empire, it would have mm. been, been factually accurate to see a samurai there. Really? Yeah. Okay, wow.
1: I know. I didn't know that. Excuse my ignorance. I didn't ignorance. know
2: that until recently either.
1: I'm a victim of my culture quite often. <laughs>
2: Um, so anyway, yeah, so this is a very you know diverse area and because one you're away from strict social customs and two you're enforced proximity of all these people different than you
3: mm-hmm.
2: racial conflicts weren't that big of a deal
1: yeah great. I mean this sounds right. like an ideal society
2: <laughs> um, And also along with this, same-sex dances and parties yeah. were very popular. Well, you'd
1: have to. I mean, there's no women, yeah. so yeah.
2: And something interesting that happened with these dances specifically is, you know, if you're if you're used to like dancing in the American style, the women and the man do different things. Right. They
1: yeah, different um, choreography. Yeah. Is what you yeah.
2: And so, one of the partners would have to take the feminine feminine mm. role. Mm-hmm. So how they accomplish this is the one group would wear certain clothing items to indicate that they would be the feminine or the masculine. And usually it was a handkerchief
1: tied mm. around their
2: arm or their pocket mm-hmm. or something like this. And this is the roots of, of hanky code.
1: Han- yeah, hanky code. It. It's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: so, yeah. And also we know that these parties were very, very popular because Stuart attended them. And he wrote graphically about these parties. Did he? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> and these
2: aren't parties I can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but we know other graphic detail. You can go find this online. Um, like I said, also, there's a lot of indigenous folk um, who are cowboys. And the, they accept the term now is two-spirited mm-hmm. as a blanket term for any queer indigenous folk. Along... Maybe not so long ago, they used a different word uh, that I'm not going to say that starts with a B. That's fr- that's um, I believe Persian. Don't use it. <laughs> it's not really considered appropriate now. Really? Mm-hmm. It's considered rude because it means crossdresser, or oh. not that that's necessarily bad, but it had a bad connotation to mm-hmm. it. Um, but anyway, there was also lots of 2 um indigenous queer folk around here that participated. Um, and you know, a lot of missionaries in the West use two spirited purses in the same way they did in the Pacific that we talked a few episodes
3: ago,
2: um, where they would villainize them and use them as justification for the genocide that has been, and is still being committed. So, yeah. Um, so like I, I was mentioning earlier that when you're a cowboy, you can't carry a lot of physical items with you. It's what fits in your pockets and uh, on your saddlebags. So, also as a, pract- a quote-unquote practicality thing, according to the book I read, which was really, you know, they were best friends, not in a relationship. Um, yeah. They said because the lack of resources, a lot of people would share bedrolls because they didn't have bedrolls to go around. <laughs> which I mean, yeah, probably, but like also, <laughs> it's because someone wants to cuddle with someone at night. <laughs> <laughs> So and your your better partner was called your bunkie.
1: Your bunkie, that's cute.
2: I know, right? Yeah. Um, I and like to tie back a little bit to Indiana University, oh, 1948, Alfred Kinsey is like Alfred Kinsey was by, just didn't yes. know if anyone knew that. Um, um, he was like, I have to go study people in the West. I've heard these stories. I want to go do it. So he goes out there and he he interviews people. And now I'm going to read what he said and just know it's a product of its time. Despite it being Alfred Kinsey, he had to word it in a way that would be acceptable. Of course. But it still does tell us a lot. And he said uh, about Western rural areas. It is a type of homosexuality that was probably common among pioneers and outdoorsmen. Today it is found among ranchmen, cattlemen, prospectors, lumbermen, farming groups in general. And these are men who live on realities of a minimum of theory. Such background breeds attribute that sex is sex, irrespective to the nature of the partner. So he's basically saying, because there's no woman, I'll just have sex with whoever I want.
1: Right. Um, Although they might have, I mean, you know. I I don't really believe this just because of no women, but I mean, for some men maybe. But you know, as as we know, we've talked about sexuality is on all sorts of different levels, and yeah.
2: And this is also (coughs) Alfred Kinsey in 1948. He had to talk like this, right? But we know he didn't want to, right? Based on what in his personal records.
1: Excellent point. Thank you.
2: And he also said in his in the same study, he said the highest frequencies of the homosexual we have ever secured anywhere has been in particular rural communities in some of the remote sections of the country. So, this is also where he was seeing the highest amount of homosexuality. So, I think that's incredibly interesting. Yeah. Cuz this dude did a lot.
1: <laughs> um <laughs> did a lot
2: for his research. So,
1: i like to read about his research on this, too. Have you actually...
2: This is about as much as he's done. Okay. Because his team was not focused on history as much as as it was more understanding what people were doing at home in private. Okay. does that make
1: sense Oh completely and that's a good clarification because all of a sudden I never I've read a lot about uh, Kenzie I don't remember this but um, I'm sure I probably read about it but I I don't remember him yet going into historical yeah he didn't sexuality. Do that. yeah
2: um, that would that came later right right <laughs> um, but he did a lot for the time that he was in Absolutely. so I'm not gonna get mad at it
1: right oh no 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 I'm not I'm not saying I'm mad I'm just yeah. Okay, I want more history. But, um, yeah, you know, but
2: we're going to get into history. I have a lot, and yeah, I have no, to talk no, fast. No, yeah, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> so in 1915, um, we also have a document of a poem um, written in the voice of a cowboy who lost his partner, and I wanted to include it because it's really cute, and I remember reading in high school, and it was written by Badger C. Clark, and it goes, We loved each other in the way that men do and never spoke, at, spoke about it, Al and me, but we both known and known it true was more than any woman's kiss could be. I wait to hear him riding up behind and feel his knee rub mine in the good old way.
1: Is that not so cute? cute.
2: <laughs> okay. I wanted to get that out because it was so cute. <laughs> and I remember, I think I read that in high school, middle school. I know my teacher showed it to me.
1: Oh, really? And now I'm
2: thinking about it, I'm like, wow, brave teacher.
1: <laughs> yeah, really.
2: Um, anyway, so then I have some stories about some individuals I want to talk okay, about. Because I always feel like that's super interesting. Some people I know a lot about, some people I only have like a sentence. So I apologize. (laughs) So my first person is Sammy Williams. Um, They were an 80 year old lumberjack in Montana and they died in 1908. And when they were sent to the Undertaker, they made a discovery. Mm -hmm. So Williams was like super strong and Mm -hmm. like buff. But when the Undertaker went to prepare the body, they discovered that they were biologically female. Oh, So this is one of the earliest accounts we have of a, not the earliest, but it's an early account of someone we have being trans that is confirmed. Mm-hmm. Trans, maybe not the right word. I'm going to say genderqueer.
1: So had they, I know you use that. I just don't know it. what they you would don't confirm. I right. would assume he. Right. But, That's what I would sort of assume too.
2: Yeah. All right. Um it gets a little confusing later on so I just was kind of sticking with they. Um our next one is Elizabeth Custer and Elizabeth Custer um worked with General Custer of like Little Bighorn. Mm-hmm. Okay? So this is where we're at. Right. Um she, she I'm going to use she here. She traveled with the cavalry and was posted at Fort Lincoln in North Dakota. And when I was um, corporals, John Noonan, um, he married someone who had been Custer's longtime laundress. Oh. Okay. So domestic servant. Okay. Right. So she also, Mrs. Noonan, um, baked a bunch of pies and was like the fort's resident midwife. And she had was like really nurturing, very motherly. She would always ask someone if they're comfortable which was short for if you're comfortable, because oh, that was her comf, dialect. If you're yeah. comfortable So Noonan and his wife were happily married for years until one day he came back from a scouting expedition to find out that his wife had died. Hmm. And on her deathbed, Mrs. Noonan had begged that her body be buried directly and not bathed or prepared for the burial. Mm-hmm. But Mrs. Custer and the ladies did not heed her request. and when Mr., And when Mrs. Custer left to go pick flowers for her dead friend, she returned only to discover that Mrs. Noonan had, in fact, been biologically male.
1: Really? Yeah. Fascinating.
2: Yeah, I know.
3: Custard's <laughs> <laundry's>. <laughs>
2: Um And so they find this out. And because of his grief, Corporal Noonan later killed himself. A few, only a few days
1: later. Uh, that's heartbreaking.
2: But Elizabeth Custard wasn't judgmental about any of this. Really? From what we know. And what, uh, what she said in her, like, journals mm-hmm. is ab- about Mrs. Noonan. She said, poor old deal. I hope that she has finally come. Aww. I know.
1: <laughs> you made me all verklempt. <laughs> that's, that's really sweet.
2: All right. And my next story is about someone here born and raised in Indiana. A Hoosier. Yes. His name was Henry <laughs> Allen, and he was one of the most notorious men. Um, he's, so he later moved to the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. So that's where we know him. But he was born in Indiana. So he was one of the notor- uh, notorious men from 1900 to 1922. And in early as the ni- uh, 1890s, um, he made a name for himself as this, like, you know, thief, vagrant, bootlegging, saloon brawling, bronco busting horse-stealing, hard drinker, <laughs> you know, wild, wild west stereotype.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And he... In 1912, he was arrested for white slavery, too, so he just, this dude was not a good dude. Oh. Like, he would, like, steal people and make them his slaves, even if they were white. Like, if they were white. Wow. Yeah. And apparently he had, like, women, like, dropping at his feet, begging him to marry them. Like, he was a character.
1: A real ethario.
2: Yeah. And he was just known for his his gender nonconformity. Okay. Just mm-hmm. that's what everyone knew him for. And that is because it was very well known that he was biologically female.
1: Oh, really? So he didn't...
2: It was not a secret.
1: It wasn't a secret.
2: And he even said this in an um, interview for the Seattle Sunday Times. He said, I did not like being a girl. Did not feel like a girl. Never did look like a girl. So it seemed impossible to make myself a girl. And sick mm-hmm. out heart over the thought that I would be an outcast as in the fem- feminine gender. So I conceived the idea of making myself a man.
1: Cool. (laughs) He was very true to himself.
2: Yeah. And the newspapers loved him.
1: Did they? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So
2: he's this awesome person. He's not an awesome person, but like awesome, cool person to study.
1: He was a great topic now, so I'm sure he was a great topic then.
2: Okay. So we have another story about what we would probably now call a trans cowboy. And I talked about this person a couple episodes ago. Charlie Pinkhurst, also known as One-Eyed Charlie. They were this daring stagecoach driver that drove from San Francisco to L.A. during the hairiest days of the Old West. And it was only after their um, their death in 1879 that it was discovered that they had female anatomy. Mm -hmm. So they were raised female in New England, and Pankhurst ran away in the youth, taking the name Charlie, and began living as a man. And he started to work as a stable hand and learned to handle horses, including driving coaches. And he worked in Massachusetts and Rhode Island until traveling to Georgia for associated work. Then, in his late thirties, Pankhurst sailed to California during the Gold Rush, and there he became a, a stagecoach driver. In 1868, we think he voted.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
2: yeah. So the newspapers after his death hailed him as the first woman to vote. Huh. That gets a little hairy, but that's yeah. an interesting fact.
1: But he, yeah, so he he voted because he was a he.
2: Yeah. Um, and. Now, his gravestone calls him the first woman to vote in the U.S., which is why I said that. But we know differently. But here's the thing. Um, I read a book about this person in fifth grade. My teacher really? read a book to me about it.
1: Oh, that's so great. What a great teacher you had. The
2: book was called Writing Freedom. And at the time, I didn't understand that this person was trans.
1: Because
2: uh-huh. at the beginning, it's kind of like girl power
1: Yeah.
2: But by the end, Charlie never... like. Charlie goes and lives with another man who's his friend just never outs himself as a woman or anything and just lives the whole life as a man. And so now I'm thinking back to it I'm like, "Oh my god, this is like it's a totally trans book."
1: Oh, that's so <laughs> it's wonderful. It's called Writing
2: Freedom and I read it fifth
1: grade. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Cal. This is yeah. and there's more to come. There's maybe we more. can, we can oh, no. maybe we can do it on the next show because we're running maybe. out of time.
2: So this is part 1.
1: <laughs> this is part 1. Yes. Okay. I'm happy to talk about Cowboys with you forever, but yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <But> We've ended <laughs> on a good end with Charlie Pankhurst. I, I love Charlie Pankhurst. Absolutely. All right. So, Blooming Out is a production of WFHB Community Radio produced by Melanie Davis and Cade Young. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Cal Demery.
1: And I'm Justin Robertson. And if you think the world is straight, you're the problem. Be well, stay safe, speak truth, manifest equity, demand justice, stop the hate, take the power back, and good night from your Blooming Out family.
3: From the Indians, welcome to Pilgrims. And to the buffaloes who once rule a plain. Like the vultures circling beneath the dark clouds, looking for the rain. Looking for the rain. Just like the city that stagger on the coastline. And a nation that just can't stand much more Like the forest buried beneath the highway Never had a chance to grow Never had a chance to grow And now it's winter Winter in America. Yes, and all of the healers have been killed or sent away. Yeah, but the people know, the people know it's winter. Winter in America. Save, save your soul Lord knows from winter in America uh, uh, The Constitution A noble piece of paper uh, With free society struggle, but they died in vain And now democracy Is a ragtime on the corner Hoping for some rain That look like it's hoping Hoping for some rain Amen. And I see the robbers Perched in barren treetops They're watching last ditch races Marching across the floor But just like the peace hand That vanished in our dreams had a chance to grow home. Never had a chance to grow home. And now it's winter. It's winter in America. No, it's winter. Lord knows it's winter in America. And ain't nobody fighting, cause nobody knows what to say.